You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It's been a, uh, feels like it's been a long time. I did not do a podcast on Friday. Apologize for that. I probably could have pushed to make that work. But um, sometimes I have to remind myself that it's okay, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm sitting there, and my wife is on the couch, like, head buried in her hands, not feeling well at all. So I tell her, why don't you just go lay down? Just go to sleep. You don't need to be out here. I'll take care of the kids. And I'm sitting there on the couch while, you know, some of my kids are watching a movie, and it's, you know, it's a nice time with the kids. And I'm like, how can I go do the podcast? I'm like, dude, just watch a movie with your kids, man. Then I'm like, maybe I could ask JJ, and he can do one in like five minutes. <laughs> like, hey, can you squeeze one out real quick? I'm like, dude, just, it's fine. It'll be okay. I'm trying to do what Packaday does with 500 people by myself with a full-time job, a wife, and four kids. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes I miss a day. It happens. And uh, it's a little bit late today because, again, it was kind of a similar situation. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just in like a weird, it's, it's weird that I called it weird, but... I'm in a very sentimental mode with my family. And so it's like, we, we got, what were we doing yesterday? I don't think we were doing anything, but got to the point where it was like, I got to rush downstairs. And it's like, I'm not going to rush downstairs. I'll do it tomorrow morning. And then we stayed up late watching Shark Tank. And um, I didn't set an alarm because this is my one day a week to sleep in. So, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, I put you guys on the back burner two days in a row. It'll never happen again until next time. All right. I promise you that. That is an absolute promise. So assuming I can get this done before we have to go to my son's soccer game and I can fight through this pending headache and I am in an all-out war fighting off a migraine here, we're going to have a great show today, ladies and gentlemen. I am a little bit behind the eight ball here because we have really not even started to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. So the good news is there's no lack of, of content to talk about. We have to go through the Minnesota Vikings. We've got to talk about the news and notes. Um, by news, I mean football news just just in case in case anybody's worried like am I gonna have to turn this off no dude I'm talking about the there's a Packer game tomorrow all right you're good man you're safe here but uh, speaking of news why don't we start with this Khalil Mack is done for the year every once in a while something happens and it's dangerous territory for me because I am um I guess some of the more popular content is when I go real hard at the enemy, let's say. In fact, I just did an interview. Um, I've, I've mentioned one bar in Lepagus, the Vikings guys. One bar had me on his show, uh, not yesterday, whatever. Yesterday or two days ago, I don't know. But he even said he went and listened to that episode of 
basically laughing at their show. And he said it was it was great content. He's really hoping that they win so that he can do the exact same thing to me and to a bunch of other uh, people. He said he wouldn't rip it off. I'm like, no, do it, man. The people love it. Just, I, please do it. But every once in a while, as popular as that is, something happens and the feeling inside of me isn't vindication. And really, I, I it's it's if I was better at this whole thing, podcasting and whatnot, it wouldn't matter how I feel or what I think, right? The, the best of the best, the guys that make the most money, they act like politicians. And what politicians do is you say a bunch of stuff, you find out what's popular and you hammer that. I guess this is my talking point. I guess this is what I care about, right? And then there's something else you really care about. And the people are like, mm, I'm not too into that. And you either straight up flip flop on it or just don't really emphasize that too much because it's, you know, not super popular. Stupid me, though, I, I just I just say what I think and say what I feel and all that. When I get mad at another team, it's either because they're really good and they know it, and I don't like it, and I cheer for their demise, like the Chiefs. I'm real big on, on laughing at the Chiefs as they fall. But as soon as everybody recognizes they're not good anymore, as soon as the Chiefs are in full despair mode, suddenly I'm going to be a big Pat Mahomes fan. I'm going to feel real bad for him. I'm going to be talking about how talented he is and how sad it is that his team fell apart on him and blah, 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 blah. The Patriots, I hated them, and then they were bad, and now they're starting to be good again, and it's really making me mad because all I can picture is 30 more years of Patriot dominance, and it just infuriates me, but we're not quite there yet. The other way that I get upset, though, is when a really bad team refuses to acknowledge they're bad and runs their mouth, and that's usually the Bears. It can be the Vikings. Last year, it was kind of the Vikings. This year, I haven't seen as much chirping, but because of Justin Fields, they've been just chirping and chirping and chirping and chirping and chirping. And then pretending like it's Packer fans who, you know, oh, we live rent-free in your head. No, dude, you, I mean, yeah, you're in my head, but it's, it's, it's breaking and entering, man. I didn't invite you into my head. You just live there, and I'm trying to expel you. I'm trying to get you out, and you keep barging into my, I don't want to think about you. I don't want to care about you. But we're to the point now where um, things have completely fallen apart for them. And if it's not for the Bears or the Bears fans, if nothing else, it's for Khalil Mack. And I know most Packer fans are going to say, hey, that's on him, it, whatever. It really isn't. He didn't choose. He got traded there. But, And I guess I shouldn't feel bad for the guy. He's made a ton of money. He's still regarded as one of the best pass rushers in football. It always will be. And he uh, hates kids that are trick-or-treating, apparently. <laughs> that's the only dirt I got on the guy. I don't know. But it just feels like it's the final nail in the coffin. You know, it's like, it's like when you're in a fist fight. And, you know, in the moment, you hate the guy and you just want the absolute worst. And then you lay that one blow and the guy, he's, he's just out. And suddenly all that anger and, and testosterone and everything else that just wants this person, wants the absolute worst for this person, all that just kind of goes away as you see them kind of motionless. It's a dark analogy, but it's kind of what we're talking about here. The, the Bears are just, they're not fighting anymore. They've realized they lost. They've kind of just tucked their head. And we'll see. We'll see how Bears fans, I mean, it, it, I'm sure a good portion of them are going to start chirping about next year, Justin Fields is going to be so good. <laughs> Whatever. But th when I saw that, that was kind of the moment when I just didn't want to swing anymore. Now, again, if, if that guy who's motionless gets up and tries to hit me in the head, he's going to get knocked down again. I just, you know, it is what it is. But I'm kind of at that moment where it's like, all right, do you, do you get it now? Are, are, are we good? Are we done with this? Did I say what happened to Khalil Mack? He's done for the year, season-ending foot in injury. I just Sometimes I just assume everybody knows everything. 
I think I'm exactly like my grandma in that way. She does that to me. I'll, I'll talk to my grandma on the phone, and she'll just start talking to me about stuff that she thinks that she already told me. And it's like big news. Like, well, you know, so-and-so is starting to feel better. What, who, what, what's wrong with them? Oh, they, they had a horrible, you know, snake bit them, and they almost died of, of poisoning. And then a, a band of, of uh, savages came out of the woods and beat them within an inch of their life, and a bear almost ate them. But uh, I think they're going to pull through. Whoa, 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 what happened? Oh, didn't I tell you that? I thought I told you that. No, you didn't, you didn't tell me that. No, that's, that uh, didn't come up. Didn't even get a text on that one, Grandma. DNA's funny. But, um, it, I mean, it's just been a lot of bad news. You know, the Packers aren't the only team with serious injury issues. The NFC North in general, I don't know what the Lions are doing because nobody cares, but um, the Vikings have been pretty decimated with injuries. The Bears are obviously, I mean, again, you're talking about not just quantity but quality. You, you got Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson, like two of really the only guys left on the team that are just generally very dominant. You know, Akeem Hicks is good. Also, I mean, I think he's hurt too. So, but um, Danny Trevathan's going back on IR. He's done for the season. Khalil Mack done for the year. Uh, Keem Hicks has been. I think he's been battling injuries for a while now. He's out in this game Sunday. Um, Allen Robinson is doubtful this Sunday. So, it's not a great follow up for Justin Fields, who had a really, at least a good half. Again, I I've never seen the guy play well. Maybe that's my problem is I always watch him at the wrong times because I know he's had good series here and there. I've never seen it. And I think I watched him in like the first half and he was terrible. And then the second half, he came back and just dominated. And I didn't see any of it. But uh, yeah, uh, Akeem Hicks has missed four games this season. And and listen, this is part of the issue. Same with the Vikings. I can't explain what's going on with the Packers other than fluky stuff. But what have we been saying about the Bears and Vikings? They keep bringing back the old talent. The old guys are wearing down, man. All their top, when, when all your top players are in their 30s, that's not great. And so the Bears, who, um, you know, the offense obviously is really struggling because, you know, there's just nothing really there. You got a rookie quarterback who's struggling behind a terrible offensive line. You've had a, you know, the running backs finally coming back, but the offensive line, again, not good. And the one truly dominant receiver who really hasn't been that great all year has just not been playing. He's injured. Um, but the, the other issue is this dominant defense that's been dragging this deadweight offense for years is playing poorly, and now they're all dropping like flies. So best of luck to you guys. Let's see if they have the same kind of resilience the Packers have to continue winning. Oh, wait, you can't continue winning. Start winning when your guys get hurt? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But either way, best of luck to you. The Vikings, on the other hand, did get some positive news on the injury front, um, largely pertaining to they have a bunch of injuries. And I kind of went over that yesterday, but I also mentioned a bunch of guys that were not playing and uh, or not practicing for non-injury related things. And it was, it was really worrying to Vikings fans, but basically all of them are going to be playing. So on the actual injury report, as far as you know, which is an extensive thing. Here are the people that are out for the Vikings. Between Herndon, Brian O'Neill, Wonham, Harrison Smith, Bashad Breeland, Garrett Bradbury, Anthony Barr, Blake Lynch, Mackenzie Alexander, Adam Thielen, Ryan Conley, and Wyatt Davis, the only guy not playing is Wyatt Davis. Bashad Breeland is questionable, which generally means he's going to play. Everybody else is good to go. In fact, pretty much everybody on this list has been practicing since Thursday. Now, that doesn't mean they're fully healthy because they're not. They've got a bunch of guys that are out, IR, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get there, for the Packers, um, 
very extensive, probably it, it is actually a bigger list than the, uh, the Vikings have. But David Bakhtiari is officially out. Aaron Jones, obviously, is officially out. Uh, Malik Taylor is out. Alan Lazard is doubtful in this game. And uh, Kingsley Kiki and Rashawn Gary are questionable. Kiki's still battling through that concussion. So, you know, the, the Alan Lazard thing almost bothers me more than anything because of how badly beaten we're getting it, just in the weapons category, right? We lost a running back. We lost our top receiving tight end, probably our, our top running back, our top tight end. We just got MVS back. Uh, Devontae has not really been peak elite Devontae for, what, at least two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Just dominant. And so um, it's getting kind of, you know, like a lot of other places, edge and, and whatever else, it's it's starting to worry me how thin we're getting at this position. And again, looking forward, I can't help but think that the Packers are Packer fans are finally going to get their wish next year um, in regard to going out and getting some weapons. It's, it's going to be something where, and obviously there's a lot of variables here, but usually what the draft community loves is they want you to draft quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, you know, fun stuff. Packers might be in in on some of that stuff, especially tight ends, wide receivers, maybe a running back, probably later. But boring stuff like safeties and linebackers that nobody likes, I don't know. But I do anticipate some wide receivers. Unless, again, a lot of variables, unless they decide to bring everybody back. But again, Alan Lazard has not been playing very well. Um, MVS has been injured, and, and again, he's just not the greatest in the world. I'll just leave it at that. Um, in terms of guys that are on IR, just kind of running through it, some of these guys have been basically all year, but Irv Smith, the tight end, uh, he went out very early. Jordan Scott, defensive tackle, Janarius Robinson, defensive end, Patrick Peterson, the cornerback, uh, wide receiver, Ola B.C. Johnson, and uh, Ben Ellefson, another tight end. I don't know. I got to find better lists because for some reason it's not listing Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter is out for the year. Let's try PFF's list. They seem to have a better list. Um... Chad Beebe, Don's kid, IR. Again, Irv Smith, Olabisi Johnson, a couple other guys that nobody knows their name, so it doesn't matter. Patrick Peterson, cornerback. Michael Pierce, uh, defensive tackle. That's significant. Daniil Hunter, Janarius Robinson, and Josh Metellus. He's on COVID IR right now. So obviously the the, the biggest names that we added there, uh, Patrick Peterson, Daniil Hunter, and Michael Pierce. That's significant. Uh, real quick, quick ripping through their um, their team, basically. And then we'll take a break and we'll, we'll go over to some Patreon questions, some specifics about this team. But the offensive line as a whole right now is not very good. Um, there are some questions. I believe, for example, Garrett Bradbury is, I believe, their center coming back from injury. My assumption is he's going to play. I don't know that 100%, and the only reason I'm really hanging, hung up on it is because Bradbury, who the, the Vikings want to be good, seems to be significantly worse than the backup that's been coming in. Gary Bradbury is the guy they drafted in the first round. He's been terrible since day one. I've even seen, there was somebody, I don't know if it was, it was one of the, whatever, but there was news that he was coming back from injury, and somebody on Twitter who's a Vikings fan basically was not happy to hear that he's coming back from injury. But... Um, Long story short, Brian O'Neill, their right tackle, is really the only guy that's any good at football. Um, and by good at football, I mean ranking 35th in the NFL. Meaning, again, my general rule, there's 32 teams in the NFL. If you're a if, if you're going to be the best tackle on your team, you should be in the top 32 at least. And so, if, for example, if he ranked 32nd, which he doesn't, 
he would be a low-end number one tackle, right? In other words, for for having a best tackle, that's not great. He's a high-end sort of number two, so it, it kind of works. He's, he's right tackle, but unfortunately, he's the best one. Christian Derisaw, who is the first-round pick this year, um, so far, 58th is, is his rank out of 79 tackles, 58th. So he's kind of a low-end number two in terms of, well, is he making any progress? Well, he only started in week five, five, six, eight, nine, ten. So he's played every single week because week seven, I believe, is their bye. Um, no, he's not really making progress. His grades 60, 64, 58, 69, 52. So his worst game came last week against the Chargers. That could just be the competition if Bosa was going up against him or whatever. Um, but you could say the same thing for week nine, which was his best week, basically getting a 70 overall grade against Baltimore because Baltimore doesn't really have very good pass rushers. So, I mean, he's given up uh, six pressures in five games, one sack, three hits, two hurries, um, 56 overall pass blocking grade, 63 run blocking. So he's not doing great so far. Maybe in the future, he's going to be a great tackle. So far, not much to worry about there. Um, another guy that's been injured, but I believe is going to play Ezra Cleveland, um, He's just been kind of bad at football. In fact, he's taking a step back this year. He played right guard last year and seemed to perform a little bit better. He's played exclusively left guard this year. Um, Ezra Cleveland was a tackle in college that they made into a guard. He's had one good year that was or one good game that was week two against Arizona, 84 overall grade. But since then, it's been 49, 39, 66, 52, 59, 65, 55. So just hovering in that sort of 50, 60 range. Um, he's given up a sack, three hits, and 15 hurries for a grand total of 19 pressures. One thing I notice about this offensive line, it seems like everybody's given up exactly one sack, which doesn't seem like much, right? In terms of giving up sacks, they don't seem to give up a ton. But uh, you look at 19 pressures for a guard, that's definitely not very good. 53 pass blocking, 59 run blocking. He ranks, by the way, 52nd out of 75 guards. So not great. Um, again, Garrett Bradbury, the center. Um, he is, he was their first round pick in 2019. His biggest issue has always been pass blocking. And I, I think they really got him because of his run blocking ability, not necessarily because he's a road grader, but he's, he's very athletic and they have, they run a similar kind of a running scheme that we do. So I think the whole process with Garrett Bradbury is his rare athleticism is going to allow him to get to that next level and cut off linebackers, which is great in terms of that one ability. But the problem is he's been horrible in every other facet of the game. Um, he has a 67 overall run blocking grade. It's the one thing he does well. He's been consistently the worst pass blocker in football. In, in his three years, his pass blocking grades, and shockingly, they're getting worse. 41 overall in 2019, 38 in 2020. So far this year, a 36. His grades on a weekly basis. His best game was a 64. The best he's done as a pass blocker is a 64. He gave up two pressures in that game. His grades have been 27, 56, 49, 64, 46, 32, 32. He's given up one sack, five hits, and 11 hurries for 17 total pressures. Um, again, consistently just one of the worst pass-blocking offensive linemen in football. He currently ranks 30th out of 39 centers. Then finally, the right, uh, yeah, finally the right guard, Ali Udo. This is who apparently Vikings fans seem to dislike the most. Um, as far as grades and everything else, he's not the lowest. He ranks 44th out of uh, 75. He has a higher grade than Bradbury or Cleveland. But again, this is, according to what Vikings fans think, this is the guy that's the biggest problem, their right guard. 
And it's clear to see why when you look at, um, he's given up no sacks, but he's given up 24 pressures. The guy is a revolving door, four hits and 20 hurries he's given up. His pass blocking grade, again, run blocking 64. So that's pretty standard across the board for this entire offensive line. They're an average run blocking unit. It's actually probably relatively similar to what the Packers offensive line looks like. They're they're okay, but not great. But again, the pass blocking is just horrific. Um, he did have one good game, week three against Seattle, 79 overall grade. Otherwise, 59, 66, 28, 59, 59, 43, 38, 38. The last three weeks in particular, he's given up three pressures each and um, has not cracked 43 overall. Um as far as the rest of the offense, we kind of know most of what everybody else is, but there's a couple misconceptions, and I, I want to kind of go over that. First and foremost is Dalvin Cook. The assumption on Dalvin Cook is, you know, this is an elite play. If you look at what he's done over his career since 2017, 70 overall grade, 72, 76, last year, 90, right? That was his big, massive breakout. He's getting better every single year. This year so far, 62 overall grade. He ranks 48th of all running backs out of 61. Now, this is one of those things where I'll say this, and a lot of people, even Packer fans, will go, well, that's stupid. I don't care what their, their grades say. He's a great player. I acknowledge, I fully acknowledge that. But that's, that's the same thing that people would say about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that's, you know, you get Vikings fans, oh, that's stupid. It's still Aaron Rodgers. Okay, but it's, it's still a thing. And if you're just going to assume that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the same version of 2020 MVP Aaron Rodgers where everything's working and none of his passes are off target and he's just playing at the highest level, you're probably going to be more wrong than right. Something isn't quite right. He hasn't quite hit his stride. And although that talent is in there somewhere and it and it's possible that it breaks out and, and becomes a reality very soon, there's no real reason to assume it's going to happen this week. It might. The best game he's had all year was, was this past... Uh, week 71 overall grade. He had one other game week two with a 70, otherwise 58, 48, 30, 54, 63, and 62. His pass blocking grades are horrific. He has a 41 overall grade. His receiving grades have been terrible, 48 overall. And as a runner, 67 overall grade. He's not grading out positively in really any category. And that's significant, right? <laughs> Obviously, this is one of the major factors on this team. You can say, well, he's he's had some injuries or whatever. Well, okay, are we saying he feels 100% better this week? Is that what we're saying? He's been playing every week since week six. So the, the, the point is, again, similar to Aaron Rodgers, it's not that he doesn't still have 4-4-9 speed and, and whatever else the guy's got going for him. It's not that he hasn't had some big games, right? 131 yards week two, 140 yards week six, and, and uh, 110 yards week nine, which, by the way, it's a little easy to get 140 yards when you run 30 times. It's, it's, that's part of the thing with Dalvin Cook. And by the way, it's why Dalvin Cook is probably not going to be getting another contract from the Vikings, although it's the Vikings, so they might give him another one. But the problem is this is a guy who's had an injury issue since day one, and they also run him into the absolute ground. He, he gets a ton of, he, he's like Derrick Henry, except he's just not built like Derrick Henry. He's 5'10", 210. And I, if I had to guess, I would say that those injuries are taking their toll a little bit. But anyways, um, he has 648 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and two fumbles so far on the season. Yes, he's still dangerous. And if, if we don't do our job clogging up rushing lanes and everything else, it's a problem. But that's that's true of every running back. 
it doesn't really matter what team you're playing. If, if you if you can't stop the run, they're going to run all over you, and you're going to have a long day. That's just a reality. So it's it's worth at least acknowledging. Is Dalvin Cook a dangerous person? Yes. Is he having a good year? No. Something is vastly different. And and you know, can scream PFF is dumb. Well, explain his 90 overall grade last year then. It's not that they just hate Dalvin Cook or can't acknowledge good running back play. It's that there's something drastically different. That's all I'm saying. On the flip side, Kirk Cousins is graded out as the number two quarterback in football with his by far highest graded season ever with a 90.8 overall grade. I've been saying since day one, Kirk Cousins is um, better than he gets credit for. And now that he came out as unvaccinated and everybody just kind of laughs at him because he's goofy and he doesn't swear and he doesn't... uh, you know, want to get vaccinated and um, seems kind of awkward with his coach and and his players don't really like him and everything. Everybody just sees him as kind of a a dork and a loser, so he doesn't get any credit. He's the biggest weapon they have on this entire team, offense or defense. You can ignore that if you want, but it's just a reality. 2,434 yards, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions on the season. That's where he's at right now. Well, it's because of his wide receivers. First of all, There are better wide receiver groups in football. Second of all, Adam Thielen is definitely not... Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are worse this year than last year. Not that they aren't good, but if if it's the wide receivers, why didn't Kirk Cousins have this season last year? It's It's just a case of people trying to explain away things that they don't like. That's all it is. And by the way, it says second. He's actually first. The guy that was ahead of him is C.J. Beathard, who had two dropbacks. That's silly. If we get rid of that, he's number one. Actually, wait a minute. No, Tom Brady's number one overall, but in terms of just passing grade, Kirk Cousins is actually higher. What what the heck is Tom Brady? He's higher in his running grade. Oh my goodness. Anyways, completely ignoring that nonsense. He has the highest passing grade of anybody in the NFL right now. Now, if you pair that with the wide receiver duo and a potentially threatening uh, running back, that's where the Vikings can be a little bit scary. With that said, I would put this wide receiver duo on almost the exact same plane as the wide receiver duo we faced last week. They have two good wide receivers, and they don't have a third. That's kind of where we're at right now. Justin Jefferson has an 84 overall grade. DK Metcalf had an 80 overall grade. Metcalf ranked 11th. I think Justin Jefferson, I'm not sure where he ranked. I got rid of that. Tyler Lockett, 73 overall grade. Adam Thielen, 71. So Justin Jefferson is a little bit better than DK. Adam Thielen is a little bit worse than Tyler Lockett. Very similar. I mean, in fact, it's it's a nearly identical football team. You have a really talented quarterback whose grade went way south after that game against the Packers, but he was considered one of the highest graded quarterbacks in football. You have a really talented quarterback with an average running back, 69 overall grade, almost exact same as... Um, Dalvin Cook, you've got a top 10, basically, number one wide receiver. You have a good number two, knocking on the door of being like a low-end number one, but a high-end number two, 35th overall. You have a bad offensive line, no real tight end threats. It's the same team. It's like identical (laughs) to the Seahawks. The only real difference is I don't really expect Kirk Cousins to play as bad as Wilson did. Which could be problematic, because let's face it, Russell Wilson had some wide-open guys. There there were times when those wide-open guys didn't get seen because of a a great pass rush. 
There are other times Russell Wilson either just missed a guy or didn't see a guy that was screaming open down the field, and that's dangerous. Because if Kirk sees him and uncorks it, instead of giving up zero points, there might be 14, 17, however many points in in, in those games. But, I mean, if you wanted to pay, I would be stunned if you told me there was a team that compared to Minnesota better than Seattle. They're nearly identical. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Ripping through their defense, starting at the defensive line spot. Um, this is a, what was a very promising line, might have lost their two best players in Michael Pierce and Daniel Hunter. Um, on the interior, they still have Dalvin Tomlinson, who um, you know is a good football player. Unfortunately for the Vikings, he's gotten worse every single year. Longtime Giants defensive tackle, uh, mostly I would say a run defender, although he's grading out better as a pass rusher right now. But his grades over his five years, 81, 76, 78, 75, 72. So aside from that one little blip in 2019, he's gone down every single year. And so the Vikings uh, classic buy high, sell low. Um, The only reason his grade is even as high as it is, week three and four, he had basically elite grades. Otherwise, his entire season has been 63, 62, 60, 68, 66, 58, and 51. So 60 every single week. The last two weeks have been his worst two weeks. He has 12 pressures on 201 attempts, which obviously is not anywhere near what you want it to be in terms of pass rush. To make matters worse, um, six of his 12 came in two games, which is to say the other six came in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So not great. Um, and again, to make matters even worse, this is a this is a guy who's primarily a run defender who is, for some reason, the last two years gone from being a run defender to a pass rusher. But his grades in, in pass rush have gone 58, 55, 62, 74, 74. But in run defense... 82, 80, 80, 70, 65. It just is going down. So maybe it's just the way that he's playing, maybe being a little bit more aggressive, which is hurting him in terms of gap integrity. I don't know. But the problem is the fact that he's falling off as a run defender to try to improve as a pass rusher and is only managing, uh, what would that be? 6% pass rush? That sucks. And he's not, I mean, he's 317 pounds. He's Kenny Clark size. He's not 330 necessarily. And that's kind of their their biggest threat. The other main guy in the interior is Armin Watts. Armin Watts is is purely a pass rusher. Again, the run defense is is not good. Um, in his three years, 60, 56, 54, it's been going down every single year. But even he, similarly, 12 pressures, 177 attempts. It's higher, you know, because it's had slightly less attempts. But 
the pressures just really aren't there. And his three sacks, two of them came in one game. And so seven of his games had uh, no sacks. The pressures are starting to come in bunches toward the end here. In fact, if we look from week five, he might be a pretty prominent pass rusher. But anyways, the, the point is, again, you got two guys next to each other who are really struggling to stop the run. And in terms of pass rush, it's it's not good. I mean, at, at a bare minimum, you want 10%. And uh, neither of these guys are, are getting that. There are other guys, but we're just kind of going over the main guys right now. Um, Everson Griffin was and, it, well, was their number two, is their number one pass rusher right now. Everson was a longtime Minnesota guy. He ended up leaving, going to Detroit. Then from there, he went to Dallas. And then Minnesota decided to call him back because they just can't help themselves. Um, another guy that is uh, more of a pass rusher than a run defender. He's been horrific as a run defender, something he used to be quite good at, but the last two years, he just doesn't have it. Um, the tackling has been abysmal for him. He does have 31 pressures on 278 attempts. So as a pass rusher, he's getting the job done, five sacks, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. So once again, I'm, I'm looking at a team and I'm just saying, I don't know who's going to stop the run here. I just don't know how you're going to accomplish that with this defensive line. I mean, part of the issue is our run blocking is not very good, so maybe it becomes kind of a stalemate in that regard, but um, these guys are just not getting the job done right now. But again, they do have a, a fairly decent pass rusher. Everson Griffin primarily does line up on the defensive right side, meaning he's probably going to be going up against Elton Jenkins, which is to our benefit. Now, one of the biggest advantages they would have is having Daniil Hunter on their left side, our right side, um, up against Billy Turner and being able to stunt inside to Royce Newman. Unfortunately for them, with Daniil Hunter being out, that leaves DJ Wonham as their their top pass rusher, fourth-round pick last year. Last year, he had a 51 overall grade. So far this year, a 50. So he is not making any strides whatsoever. He has 12 pressures on 283 attempts. That's 4%. That is, he's got to be one of the worst pass rushers in, in the entire NFL. That is... I don't. I can't think of anybody I've ever seen. I mean, um, I'm trying to think. Nick Perry, when he was at his absolute worst, what his number was. I don't know if it was even four percent. It was. I mean, it was a horrifically bad number. I can't remember seeing too many edge rushers with a four percent pressure rate. And again, that's 283 attempts. So it's not like well, he's only played a couple times. No, he's there every week. He's had three games with zero pressures, three games with three pressures, and then a bunch of one. He's got one sack on the entire season. I mean, the guy is, he's inept, entirely inept. Now, I'm positive because I'm saying this, he's going to get at least one pressure, probably a sack in this game, just because I'm talking about it. But I mean, he is, he is bad. And that's, again, that's great because he's on our weak side. I don't know if they're going to plan on changing that because it looks like to start the season, he was on the right side. I'm assuming that was when Daniil Hunter was playing, so he would kind of spell um, uh, Everson Griffin, but since Daniil went out, what in the world just happened there? My headphones just kicked on and <laughs> my own voice went blasting into my ears. Apparently they were off or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. DJ Wonham is bad. And so it's not just that Daniil is out. It's that his replacement is, is just not good. Um, moving on to the linebackers again, Anthony Barr out. Now, Anthony Barr is massively overrated, but that, again, means other guys are going to have to come in and try to fill that role. Um, looking at their options, Blake Lynch seems to be one of the guys that has come in. Hasn't played a ton so far, but uh, he's starting to get more action recently with, you know, Barr being out and everything. 
pretty limited sample size, so I don't really know where he's at. He does actually have a 70 overall grade, but again, small sample size. Last year, 34, so I'm skeptical to say the least. The number two guy seems to be Nick Vigil, who was a third-round pick in 2016. This guy is awful. He's always been awful. 46, 50, 60, 53, 60, 48 has been his grades, uh, with that 48 being his most recent. He's uh, real bad. Um, he does have a 68 coverage grade, so he seems to be halfway competent in that, but a 29 run defense grade. So again, this is just a really bad area for guys. Run defense, just bad. And then finally, again, kind of similar to Seattle, the one guy that they have is a decent inside linebacker. Unfortunately, um, you know, and again, I said the guy was overrated for years, 59, 69, 67, 64, um, and I was screaming about how overrated he is and all that stuff, and then he has a 90 overall grade. And I'm like, all right, well, that was maybe a fluke. And then he has an 82, which isn't as good, but still, I mean, it's clearly something here. So far, 68. So he's right back to where he was. I don't know what happened those two years where he just blew up, but he's kind of, you know, you get that regression to the mean. 68 is what he was the first four years of his career. So um, now, again, coverage grade. 86 overall. So he's getting it done. What's his run defense grade though? 39. If you just look top to bottom, you got uh, Watts, run defense 54. Tomlinson, run defense 65. Uh, Everson Griffin, run defense 53. DJ Wonham, 49. Vigil, 29. Kendricks, 39. These guys are, I mean, run defense for Blake Lynch is 67, but again, we don't really have enough information on that. This entire front uh, seven, the entire front seven, the run defense is horrific for this team. Well, does that show up statistically? Well, let's take a look at their defense. They rank 16th overall in points, 23rd in yards. Okay. Net yards per attempt passing, 10th. Yards per attempt rushing, 30th. They rank 30th, which is to say third worst, 4.7 yards per attempt. The defense has given up 100 yards on the ground. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their nine games. Now, two, two, the only two games have come in the last three weeks, so you could call that progress, but the one smack dab in the middle, they gave up 247 yards to the Baltimore Ravens on the ground. And then they gave up 82 to the Chargers, 78 to the Cowboys. So again, you could say after the bye week, they've, they've massively improved. I mean, the Chargers, 82 yards, and they won the game. But um, every single game before their bye, they gave up 100 yards on the ground. And again, decimated by Baltimore, which probably has to do with Lamar, but still. In fact, we can check. Nope. Uh, Lamar accounted for 120. So the other running backs, uh, Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell, accounted for 127 yards in that game. So even without Lamar, they gave up 100 yards on the ground. So would you say that's a key to victory? I would probably assume so. Um, at cornerback... Their seemingly top cornerback right now would be Mr. Cam Dantzler, second-year cornerback, third-round prospect. Um, kind of talked a little bit about him seemingly improving and getting a little bit better. Maybe there's something there. He has regressed. <laughs> he was so last year they had a number one overall pick, and then a or not number one overall, but their their number one cornerback who was a corner, and then they also got a third-round corner, and the third-round guy was actually better, Cam Dantzler. Um, the number one guy I believe is in prison right now. Anyways, he had a 71 overall grade this year, 64. 
So his, his coverage grade is a 57.8. He's got a 90 run defense grade. That's the one thing kind of keeping his grade even as, as high as it is. But um, he is currently ranked 49th out of 119 cornerbacks. Again, using our standards, if you're a number one corner, you should be at least in the top 32. And if you're in the 30s, you're a bad number one. He's a mediocre number two corner. Second best corner, Bashad Breland, ranks 102nd out of 119 corners, so one of the worst in football. Bashad Breland has always been horrifically bad, although Packer fans refuse to acknowledge that because they really wanted him and we got him and then we got rid of him and he played for the Chiefs and the Chiefs defense was successful. He got a pick that one time, so everyone's like, no, he's really good. You're an idiot. Okay. His grades in his career, 48, 74, 60, 68, 58, 55, 62, 52. So he's having his second worst year of his career aside from his rookie season. Um, again, one of the worst corners in all of football. Um, in terms of consistency, yeah, I mean, he's, he had two good games back-to-back against Detroit and Carolina. Otherwise, 50s, 40s, and a 20 mixed in there. He has given up so far 514 yards, four touchdowns, has one pick and one pass breakup. He's had three games of giving up over 100 yards through the air by himself. And third, their slot guy, Mackenzie Alexander, who was a second-round pick in 2016, is actually somehow their worst corner, 116th out of 119 corners. So, I mean, it really doesn't get any worse. 47 overall grade, 48 pass rush grade. Apparently, he's done that a couple times, but he's one of the worst at it. Uh, 47 coverage grade. He's 107th out of 116. And 50 run defense grade, 89th out of 107. Um, He's got an interesting little little curve here. 47 overall grade, 54 in 2017. 2018, 78. Oh man, he finally figured it out. Third year, really jumped up there. Then he went down to a 65, then a 60, and now a 47. So it's just a, a nice little even bell curve of terrible. So the corners are horrific, with the exception of maybe Cam Dantzler, and unfortunately he's going to have the task of taking on Devante, so that's not really going to matter. Lastly, and, and this is the only thing that really works for them is safeties, and they're just always good with their safeties. Um, Harrison Smith, still a good safety at 32, going on 33 years old, but not as good as he has been. One of the things I've always said about Harrison Smith, and I don't know if we're even going to get to the questions here because we're <laughs> over 40 minutes, but he, he, gets, he alternates since 2015 between real good and good, 85-75, 92 80, 88, 74. So this is supposed to be a big year, 74 again. So you knew at some point that was going to stop. And being that he's 32 going on 33, it seems like that's starting to slow down. His super hyper elite um, type of of grades are are not exactly what they were. 75 overall coverage grade, which is 10th, and 73 overall run defense, which is 22nd. He's good in both categories. Otherwise, they've they've got Xavier Woods, um, who is... At a 76 overall grade, he has a 87 run defense grade, 70 coverage, 80 pass rush. Um, so Harrison Smith ranks 18th, Xavier Woods ranks 10th. So they, as usual, have a top 10 safety duo, which really, you know, again, if, if you think about it, one of the things that's really dominating seemingly the NFL, we've heard a, a ton about it, not just talking about the Packers and how to stop them, but every team, every defense is doing, including the Packers, is playing a ton of two high safeties. And when you got two really good safeties, if they're going to play too high safety and they do a really good job of making sure you don't get those big plays, again, I just think it comes down to take what they're willing to give you. And the good thing is the Packers do seem to want to play their advantage. The Seahawks seem to want to play a little bit more single high. 
almost daring them to throw deep, which kind of worked to our disadvantage because we kept trying to attack that disadvantage and we keep kept failing. If the Seahaw- if the Vikings are like, hey, you're not going to take any big plays, good, please do that. Because I think we play a lot better when we attack uh, a little more shallow, run the ball, short passes, et cetera, et cetera, and they don't have the ability really to stop that. We're going to make you drive all the way down the field. Perfect. We've been killing it with that because we will drive all the way down the field and we will tire out your defense and it's just going to be game over. So... I guess I guess we're done. I we might have to do Patreon questions tomorrow. That took kind of a long time, and I do have to get going to my kids' soccer game. Um, just have to slot some some ads in the middle of this somewhere. Sorry about that, Patreon folks. Anyways, uh, you guys have yourselves a great Saturday. I am gonna try to do a couple different things today. I'm supposed to, depending on if I can get back. I don't know if we're maybe going out with Grandma afterwards, but if not, I'm gonna be doing like a, a Packer podcast roundtable thing. I'm hoping to be able to do that. And then I'm going to try to get some some Patreon stuff done today because I haven't done any Patreon stuff in a while. Uh, maybe a mock draft and a podcast, etc., etc. But you guys have a great Saturday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.